Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Real World Productivity Podcast. I'm Adam Moody, and today I'm talking with Chris Ford, author of Win the Hour, Win the Day, about her background and experiences, so we can get a deeper look into her approaches to problems, and of course, the solutions that have come out of that as a result. So welcome, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's good. I realized I ended that on a weird question because I'm looking at my notes and I committed that uh, the uh, the fault of trying to read ahead and not actually looking at the person I'm talking to. So anyone listening, just know that uh, I'm not going crazy. I'm actually talking to Chris. So, uh, with that out of the way, we're just going to jump right in. Um, and my first question is just really about you and your background so people can get on the same page and uh, know where you're coming from. So uh, as much or as little as you want to share about yourself, tell us about yourself. All right. I was born in a small town. No, <laughs> we won't go that far back. <laughs> um, so I'm a marketing strategist and uh, a little bit about my story was um, I was pulled away from my business. I would say for about two years when my husband was diagnosed with colon cancer. And when I returned to my, you know, my marketing after he passed and, you know, my clients were shocked. They had, were not aware of my absence. They had no idea what was going on. And to be really honest, I didn't think it was good for business and I didn't like talking about it when I was going through that ordeal with him, right? So I returned and people started, you know, gently asking me under the capacity of how did I manage all that? Because if you take the emotion out of it, chemo appointments, surgeries, doctors, that's more than a full-time job, right? So I came back and my business was not only intact, but it was still growing. And it was because of the team I had in place and the strategies I had created years earlier. Um, and I came upon those strategies a hard way because like everybody else, I started out like a crazy hysterical person. There was numerous kitchen fires where I thought I could answer one more email. I had almost electrocuted myself once because I was in such a rush. So previously earlier than that, I had figured out there had to be a different way. And luckily I did because you know, when I was pulled away from my business, my gosh, you know, when I returned, you know, after John had passed away, that's not the time to be doing job interviews and try to be charming and get a new job. So I was super, very lucky that these things were in play. And then when my clients are asking me, you know, if I could help them so that they could stop doing things they hated and start taking real vacations. And, you know, it was a real turning point for me was when I realized you could change your life by simply starting your team, right? And I had a new appreciation for life and I felt that business should support your life and not consume it. And I also felt business should be fun. So that's really then I thought, well, how can I help as many people as possible? And I started to take all the success that we had with my, with my coaching clients and everything under that umbrella. And I then wrote a book and, you know, we have a podcast now, which is a little bit more general business, but we are also just about to launch uh, a product called the Outsourcing Playbook for Busy Entrepreneurs. Mm. And it's really just, again, so people can really, you know, get those dream projects out and not get held up and choked by their business and all these dreams they originally had, but they're just buried in the admin work. So that's sort of the, the short or long version, however you view it, of my story. <laughs> Oh, that's great. You know, I want to skip ahead a little bit because you touched on this and I, I had a note written down about yeah, uh, almost burning down the house uh, from having yeah. your dinner literally catch fire. So I like yeah. that because talking about trial by fire, I think some people are like, I felt a little overwhelmed or uh, I was stressed out. Like, no, dinner was on fire. And that's when I realized there was a problem. No, it was worse than dinner. And listen, you know, when somebody sits you down and specifically asks you not to burn the house down. Like you can't say he didn't ask, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can't say that, right? You know, I, I'll tell you one story. I had a wicked habit of like, I would be at home and I'd get home late or something and I'd miss dinner. And 
oh my gosh, this one day he was somewhere and I thought, oh, I'll just put two, um, I'll just put two boiling eggs on and it'll be fine, two boiling eggs, because I was always under the, like, oh, I can eat those boiling eggs with one hand while I still, you know, still type. And I was hungry and and then all of a sudden I went and I went to answer one email in, in this little sort of extra office I'd upstairs, you know, cause I had one at home and then I had my regular office. And, but an hour later I thought, you know, I'm really hungry. I should, Oh, the eggs. Oh my God. <laughs> I come downstairs and I turn the corner and I am paralyzed. I'm like, Oh, this is not going to be good. I kid you not. The eggs were like eight feet across the room, smashed into the wall. Like they were shot. There was a hole in the pot and the fire was just starting and here's a secret I will tell people, and I haven't told this story before, so you're getting this, is I don't have a sense of smell. So I thought, oh no, like this is what I, like I just felt about, I got to clean up this mess. So I went around, cleaned everything up, like I'm trying to get rid of a body. And I even went back and got a pot. I loaned my sister so that, he, you know, he said like, where's that pot we had? Oh no, here's the other one. And I had to, couldn't buy a new pot because it would look new. And I did all this and he walked in a couple hours later and go smelled. And he goes, what, ha what did you burn? What, where was the fire? And I was like, Oh, I forgot. <laughs> so these were serious things. These were not just like, Oh, I burnt dinner. Like these were serious. Yeah. So, well, so that happened. So that's a pretty, uh, uh, uh higher low point, depending on how you, do, you yeah. uh, describe that. But like, what, what was the turning point? Where did you start to make the changes? What were some of the first changes you started to make? You know what? I really just realized that, again, you could change your life by starting a team. And for me, I think it was, you know, when I hired my first person many years ago, I would say about eight years ago now, back when I was doing that eight years ago, it was still like under the guise of you're hiring somebody that's going to drive to work on a chicken or something like that. It was just seemed like this far-fetched thing. And for me, uh, one of the things I was doing back then, even eight years ago, you were still going to business meetings, right? You were sitting there, I would be taking notes and I'd be in a meeting, I'd be promising, you know, different things I could deliver, you know, as a marketing strategist and different packages. And I would promise myself when I got back to the office right away, I would put that in their file. Now, of course, as every day ends with the letter Y, this never happened. And every week I was ending up Friday afternoon going, oh my gosh, here I am again. I promised this week could be different. And then I'm trying to piece together notes because these notes were written with the concept that I would only need them for 20 minutes. Mm. And so if somebody called me with asking to make a purchase and to get these packages, then I was trying to guess like, what did I promise him? And oh my gosh. And if they had caught me, it would have been looking like I was trying to swindle them when clearly I just had bad notes. So it started when I said, okay, enough is enough. And this went on for a while. And of course, as John would say, I was always trying to steal time from sleep. Like I can get up earlier. I can stay later. I can, you know, do this, tie my shoe and answer email at the same time. So then I hired a transcriptionist and God love this woman. All she wanted to do is transcribe. And she had about eight other clients. So we only used her when we needed her. Some weeks we needed her an hour, some weeks we needed none. And because this is all she did, she was really fast. So she cost me like 12 bucks. And then I got all of Friday afternoon back and that just changed my vision of the world. And I was like, oh my gosh. So that's just implemented some freedom, which allowed me to execute because really execution is everything. And then it just snowballed from there. So that was the turning point for me is, is it really my, really a business is when you start a team up until then you are expensively self-employed. Fair enough. No, that's a, a very good one. I'm going to have to uh, write that one down. That one's definitely going to the show notes. 
so let's back up a little bit. Uh, obviously, uh, routine, uh, things like that are very important to you. Uh, we're we're going to dive into the details of this a little bit, but what, what does your normal routine look like now? Well, some things what I do is I put everything in amongst what I call like not even self-care. I would call it like treat yourself like a business athlete. So if you want to be at peak performance, you need to be a business athlete, right? So whatever that looks like for you. Um, for me, I do work out every morning. For me, I stop and have a proper lunch, like a real lunch. I had to learn how to chew slower many years ago when I started putting these strategies in place because I was so used to throwing things down my gullet while I tried to answer my, with emails with my other hand and have a, somebody on hold on a phone. And I assure you, as you're shoving food down your throat, it's never a salad, right? Because yeah. you're trying to eat really quickly. So for me now, it's take a half hour, make a proper lunch or go somewhere for a proper lunch, chew your food slowly, have breaks whenever I shift gears. If I'm working on something and I'm now about to start a new project, I take a 10 minute break. So it's really about peak performance and treating myself like a business athlete. Yeah, you touched on something really interesting. I think about taking the time and uh, I know that's been really important for me and I wanna come back to this a little bit, but um, using your calendar more, but then getting beyond that to block out those times where it seems frivolous at first, like, oh, well, why should I be eating lunch when I could be answering those phone calls and emails? Because those are what's going to drive the business forward, right? Because in one sense, very much so, you're, you eating lunch isn't driving the business forward. On the other hand, if you're unhealthy, you know, I think people can see both of those, but I think it's important that people do block it out, whether it's 15 minutes or maybe it's an hour uh, to go do that. Um, what, what do you tell people when you work with them that have real, I, I would imagine some people have some real pushback to that saying, hey, you need to take some you time in the middle of the day. Um, you know, how do you deal well, with it's that? Not, it's not you time. I, it's like, I've recently become fascinated with this Formula One documentary on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, it's di Drive to Survive or something. And the <laughs> insanity that they pick up this machinery and then take it to another part of the world. And just never mind the car, but the amount of computer and hardware that they build this infrastructure of million dollars, you know, and they make the car pull into the pit because they need to change the tires. They need to do whatever. And there's times where somebody doesn't want to pull in and they're like, but you're in the lead. Well, you're going to burn out your tires, right? Like this is it. You're, you're, you're in the lead. Now their tires are going to blow in a second. So it's really not, a, it is about you know, I notice the difference when it's not even about nu nutrition or self-care. It's when I back, get back to what I call hysterical Chris, or I claim to be a recovering Russiaholic, that when you aren't pacing yourself, that's when you start to get agitated with other people because they're not going at your speed. That's when you knock over the coffee on your desk and you start accelerating at a higher and higher level that becomes less and less efficient. So it's not about taking a break. It's about being at a certain pace that delivers a certain quality. And when you throw that out the window, then you're just like running around like one of those game shows, grabbing things off a shelf, you know, rushing, trying to, you know, get everything in your cart and win the prize. But that is not effective. So I really see now when I start to speed up that where the results start to diminish. Definitely. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think uh, for me, it's become... Uh, more apparent over time is that consistency uh, it beats fast pace um, yeah. with the caveat that once you become consistent, you can do things to bolster the speed at which you do things. One of which I think is building a team like you talked about. And listen, nobody's ever going to say you and I or any of your listeners are slow. So we're going, you know, like this pacing we're talking about is, you know, from 
regular, fast, crazy to super crazy. So what I have to learn is just to be, you know, hovering around crazy, fast and crazy, not into super crazy. So th these extremes of, oh, well, that sounds, you know, take stopping and taking lunch in the middle of the day. It's not a two hour lunch, people. I'm talking about making a proper lunch. I might be gone 20 or 30 minutes and, I, and chewing your food when you actually chew, it does take some time. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think yes. it's all relative, too, in an interesting way, right? Like, we talk about yeah. this. There's no set point of, you know, if you're not accomplishing, you know, five major tasks a day, you're worthless. You know, there's nothing like that. It's, no. Uh, no. you know, whatever you need to do. And I know for me, it's been interesting kind of on that path where it's like, oh, I can do this faster. I was just really yeah. uncomfortable at the beginning because I didn't have a process and it was new to me. Yeah. Once I get that down, okay, let me hand it off. Now I can do something else. Now I'm getting these two things done. And maybe that's yeah. enough or maybe the the guy in front of me is doing five times that, but yeah, it's hard. We can't measure ourselves against everyone else. Yeah. Well, uh, something else you talked about in your book, uh, by the way, I really like how you defined um, strugglers and successful people while we're talking about kind of moving up the food chain here and getting uh, a little bit better about ourselves. And you kind of showed what types of behaviors are behind each of those people. Um, so I'm not going to you know, spoil the book for people. They should definitely go and check it out. But what do you think is like one of the, or maybe two of the top behaviors that anyone should try to adopt right now, regardless of where they're at, kind of the low hanging fruit, like, hey, if you're not doing this type of a thing regularly, you really need to invest some time in it. You know, that's a great question. And I get that a lot from my coaching clients. We have coaching clients that we work in 90 day cycles and stuff. And, and I, I have to tell your listeners, I mean, I think it's awesome that you read the book because I don't know how many times people will interview me and they haven't read the book. So you're right. We talk in the book and, and I worked really hard on this, trying to make it an easy read. People tell me all the time it's an easy read. And that, boy, write this down, people. Writing a book that's easy read is not easy to do. <laughs> so, And what I did was I told every story I could and whether like right now we're really focused on team because we've got the outsourcing playbook for busy entrepreneurs coming out. And I really do think that's the backbone to everything I started, but it's the, everything that we talk about in business, whether it's your calendar, whether it's this, anything that's going to bring you heighten your success in productivity, team building. We talked about it through two different lenses. Are you a struggler or are you a successful person? And that's not based on income. It's based on how you see the world, right? And so it really is interesting because people will come back to me and they'll say, oh, Chris, I read your book and I fought all the way through. I didn't want to be a struggler, but I can see that I was. And it's really just how you view things. So there's all different fables and stories of my experiences and my clients. And, and it's really just understanding, you know, what do you take away from that? So a struggler might say building a team like, oh, the economy, it's hard to find good help. It costs too much to do it. Where a successful person was giving me tips on how to do it even more effectively, really economically, and how to make it seamless. So really just the questions that you get asked day to day in business goes through the lens of, are you looking at it from this point of view or that point of view? That makes sense. I like that. Uh, and I, it's been interesting thinking about that some more since I went through the book. And then now talking to you and I kind of tie this back to what we were talking about with different levels and how it's all relative. Cause I think back to outsourcing and I've been using uh, virtual assistants and outsourcing for uh, six or so years and, mm -hmm. you know, getting past that first hurdle of, Hey, I hired someone. That's neat. Yeah. Like, wow, yeah. I'm a, a, you know, a, a captain of industry and ready to take yeah, on the yeah. world. And then realizing, Oh my God, I don't have a team. I just have someone who needs constant supervision. 
because I didn't set up the when done poorly. Right. Yes, yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a good caveat. At yeah. that time, having not done it before, not read, yeah. reading about it, no experience. Uh, and then, yeah, moving up, uh, up that. So I think that that's really good too, to talk about, you know, the mindset, it's how you look at this stuff. I could have said, you know, well, virtual assistants don't work. There's no way to outsource anything successfully. And luckily I had some good uh, mentors, you know, who said, well, what's the problem? Let's step through this. Okay. Well, you didn't have any processes for them. So what do you expect? So, yeah. And, and that's a really good point that I'd love to unpack because, so many people look at that through the eyes, I think of an employee or old school mentality where they see this as this big heavy thing of, well, we need processes first and we need training. And I've worked with different people where they're like, I was dealing with this guy and he was this really high end videographer that dealt with CEOs and really big productions. He's like, you don't understand. I, I worked for four weeks to build this training process. I hired someone and it didn't work. Well, he had never put any, anybody through the process. So all of a sudden there's steps missing from eight, nine and 12. What I would say to you, is you know the first person you hire it might be some for something that you just screen capture and takes you 20 minutes to do you screen capture it with a free platform and you send it to them and you say okay i want you to do this and write out the steps so now we've written out the steps or spend 10 minutes to get it transcribed we've written out the steps now you have a process so people get in the idea that it's heavy-handed and that it's labor-intensive, but they're looking at the old idea of building out an infrastructure in a traditional office setting from their employee mindset. And I know my clients tell me usually within the first month, they get it back about 25 hours per week. So it's really simple stuff that accelerates you really quickly. And your points are really valid and good because that's the obstacle that most people see is, well, I'm so busy right now. I don't have time to set up this really elaborate training thing and onboard people. And, and like my transcription story, that took me 30 seconds the first week and got me back Friday afternoon. So we're talking about an easy point of entry if you have a strategy. And so that's why we created the outsourcing playbook for busy entrepreneurs because it is about this is the hard way to do it. If you spend the next six months monkeying around trying to find that magical person and all these issues, when at the end of the day, it's your process that's the problem. Your hiring process, your training process, your interviewing process. Definitely. And I, I like what you said too about, you know, you just got the transcription done. You didn't say, well, I need to get the transcription done, but first I need to set up the automation so that I can send her an automated email. Just be like, no, just knock out the biggest thing. And then you can yeah. add on to that, you know, if you needed to, or in most cases you mm-hmm. don't, but Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I've learned that the hard way myself is just saying like, oh man, it came from an engineering background and like, okay, what else can I add on to this? And like most of the times the answer is nothing, stop. Just do yeah. the 80-20, get it done, come back later if you use it again and make it better. So. Yeah, it's been a painful lesson for me too that I had to learn numerous times. And what I have finally come to realize that like life, being an entrepreneur is about process, not perfection right? So this whole idea of, oh, it has to be done. And then here's the training manual. It's got a cover and it's got all this stuff. Just remember that team means together, everyone accelerates money. So if you just start building a team, it's just going to amplify everything for you super quick. Um, yeah, I totally agree. And I'm getting flashbacks to like, literally I'm onboarding <laughs> uh, someone that just had them on for a month. Uh, they're helping me out with doing some design work and building some funnels. And yeah, it's been interesting because it's the first time I've gone kind of faster and looser and just said, hey, you know, you're going to be helping. Part of the job requirement was you're going to be helping write the processes for this as you go. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly like Chris said, like, hey, I'm going to send you Loom videos, which, by the way, is the best thing ever. Uh, Ever. I love Loom, but whatever. Yeah. yeah, Any video capture tool like that. So like, hey, I'm going to send this to you. And then you need to be familiar with the tool I'm using, which at this time is ClickUp. 
and you're going to go in there and you're going to create the processes, you know, come back to me if you get stuck, but otherwise this is part of your job. So, yeah. You know, I believe that like, first of all, your, your business should support your life, not consume it. And I believe yep. my team should be my resource. Like they are they're They've got my back. I'm not implementing like they're, they're really taking care of me versus like, I feel like if you, I, first of all, I always want to be the dumbest person in the room, right? That's my goal. But if, if you're doing it well, what I have is them managing me, not me managing them. That's how it works. Yeah, I think that's a really good one. And uh, that's one I, again, I feel personally too. So I want to harp on yeah. this a little bit for everyone listening is um, I definitely get, I'm on the side of um, being maybe uh, too considering of like, oh, how is this going to affect uh, the people? If I give them this task, is it too much? Uh, and I think so long as you're fostering a good uh, relationship and you have that team, you know, in the real, in the sense of the word of it is a team, you're part of that team that you don't need to worry about it. And that's something I've had to learn too, is like, hey, just go ahead, you know, ask people if it's too much, things like that, but don't worry so much about what you're doing. Give them things that you know they can do, get their feedback on it and iterate from there. Yeah, and really what you're talking about is executing. And that's the thing that misses is missing for most dare I say entrepreneurs, because really until you start building your team, you're not an entrepreneur, you're self-employed and it's very painful and expensive and a job would be easier. And all that's missing is, you know, execution. You've got all these ambitions, you've got these ideas, there's no shortage of that. So it's execution. Because I know for me, you know, on my podcast, just recently I was interviewing a guy uh, on the Win the Hour, Win the Day podcast, and his father was a really well-known carpenter. People came from far and wide, and they spent thousands of dollars, and he was in the local news, and he was like a big deal, a big fish in a small pond. And when he stopped at 67 years old, he closed the door, walked out, and then sold his tools, like his hammer and his saws and stuff, because he never had a team. He didn't have processes in place. He had nothing to sell. And he could have had junior people assisting him with that at the end of it. He could have just been the one doing the stain or whatever. Yeah. There could have been an easing in and easing out. But after being so sought after in a waiting list for his products, his handmade products, he closed the shed and sold tools. Like that's crazy, right? So until you start your team, you don't have a business. Well, let's talk about that then a little bit. I think it, you know, it can be hard for people to see someone that's, again, several steps ahead um, and maybe has a team, has a project manager, is able to you know, move quickly, knock out projects left and right. Uh, so how do you get people to get over that hump of maybe making that first hire or two? Because I found that to be the real sticking point. People either are really quick to do it and have a really bad experience or they're slow to do it and you know, just never get around to it. What, what's the kind of jumping off point or how do you help people get past that? Well, I think when the student's ready, the teacher will come. And I know that um, when I'm working with my clients and my coaching program with these 90 day cycle coaching programs, and what happens is they have big dreams and they just think that their dreams require a lot of work. Like, oh, you don't understand. Like I've got this, you know, big thing. And, and what I feel is painfully sad about the type of client I work with, usually they have a you know, a service-based business. They've been in business a couple of years. And then they sometimes they're even presenting well online. Like they have a podcast or they're doing something. And then they kind of pull me to the side and then they whisper like, you know what? Yeah, I'm doing really well here, but I haven't slept since this time last year. And they're like on the verge of crying and they're hysterical. And then they start telling me, well, my husband hasn't left me yet, but we've had conversations about it. Or my wife, well, she's at her sister's right now, but I think I can get her to come back, right? And, you know, there's this, this messy life 
And because they've been working so hard, they can't let the dream go and they can't go back to their job. And, and all they need is some help. But the problem, the real pain point is they don't even understand it's that they need a team because they're so lost in the weeds that they can't see their way in the light of day. Like they're just dealing with the, the fallout, right? So really it's like what I want people to understand is you're not the problem. You know, you're a smart person because then you start doubting yourself like, Oh, I thought I would be better at this. And everyone told me, you know, I was business savvy or I was good at sales or whatever. So you're not the problem. You just need this to get you out of there. And the other thing is I, I said is, you, you can't just run out and hire somebody and think, okay, that would be the solution. And then it blows up in your face because it's all oh, kids these days in the economy. Yeah. So really understanding if you are not keep, if you're looking at anybody online with professional jealousy going, how are they doing that again? Then you want to be that person. You need to start your team. That's it. Definitely. Definitely agree. Um, yeah. So I'll just add mine onto there. Just uh, for anyone who hasn't done it, give it a shot. Uh, I've been yeah. encouraging my wife to do this. She started helping me with my business. That's been an interesting uh, oh, goody. <laughs> transformation. Where they're like, yeah, well, we're stuck at home uh, together. Let's see if we can mix business too. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but doing that, I'm encouraging her to, hey, you know, try getting uh, a virtual assistant. You know, even yeah. if it's for her, her day job, she's a scientist. I was like, you've got admin yeah. stuff you do that you're spending a couple hours a day on or maybe just a couple hours a week, but why don't try it? You know, there's someone out yeah. there who would appreciate this opportunity who could help you. And, you know, you could pay them what you feel is not a lot because you're being paid more for that time. But wouldn't it be better to be thinking about, you know, whatever project you're working on instead of like, well, I had to, you know, go fill out this expense report and do this and do that. So yeah, that'll be an interesting one. And it's a great point too, because that's another misnomer that people dive into is they go, Oh yeah, Chris, I went and got a VA and she helps me with my social media and she helps me with my admin and she, and then they start listing all these things and what they, they tie it into again is a, a human that they like. And they think, Oh, I found this magical fairy that can help me. But what I want you to understand is like you said, or, or the example I gave with the transcriptionist mm -hmm. is I might start out with a very specific VA and for the next six weeks, I might use him or her for three hours a week. And then if that grows great, but don't start dumping everything under that VA, like a social media person is very different than a VA. And even a social media person is not the person that knows the back end of social media that can help you with some communication and stuff like that is not the same person that does the graphics, right? So that's another mistake people make is they just say, okay, this is amazing. I've got this virtual help and it's very economical and the training's working. So this is going well. Let's just put everything in the kitchen sink on this person's lap. So it's all these little subtleties, which is why we created the program because they're simple redirections that will cause you no money and no extra effort really, but they do bite you in the butt if not done well. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely agree. Uh, so moving on to a slightly different topic, uh, because I know you advise this and this has been a game changer for me, um, having a calendar in conjunction with, or in replacement of your task list. So oh, yeah. this one has been one that I think a lot of people probably go through. I, I feel like this is, is common. I don't have any data to back this up, but I think coming in when you first start to say, Hey, how can I be more productive? You're kind of in that phase. It's like, well, I need a capture system, right? Whether it's getting things oh, yeah, done or yeah. a task list. And that's a good first step. I think it's better than, than nothing, right? Because yeah. that way you're not missing things, but you're gathering everything. And then it's like, oh my God, I've got 139 things to do today. <laughs> and eventually you realize, aha, I don't have enough time. And then you realize the importance of the calendar. So uh, 
not much of a question there, but just I assume you feel the same way from what I read. And do you have anything you kind of want to add to that or why you think people should be doing that? Yeah, that's really important. And I know back in my heyday, I spent money on different kinds of capture systems because they promised me like once I learned the system and spent all this money three months later, it would just so it would be magic and solve all my problems on its own. I wouldn't even have to blink at it. Right. And that never panned out. So what I tell people is, listen, your calendar is your time bank account. And one of the biggest mistakes people make is they put external appointments on their calendar, but not their own work. So it doesn't matter how much the dentist costs or how much it hurts. Thursday at 11, you'll show up. But I will see people all the time. They'll be like, oh, I don't put that on my calendar, Chris, because I do that every day. And that would be the same as saying, well, my car payment comes out of my bank account every month, but I know that, so I don't count it. Well, the money is still gone, right? So what happens is too many people, and I'm not talking about listing every little thing. I'm talking about win the hour, win the day, break it down into chunks because you cannot improve what you don't measure. And what I'm talking about is when you enter the workday, you might think that you have eight hours when in fact you have four because there's stuff every day that you're not counting up to including your emails. So yeah, using your calendar as a time bank account is essential. Otherwise, you're just like, well, what happened? I thought I had all day. I like that. I really like the uh, calendar being your time bank account. I'm actually writing that one down. Uh, yeah, that, it's been a great one and a tool, uh, not to get too into the weeds, but if you haven't heard of it, it's called Focuster, uh, both for you, Chris, and for anyone listening. This was uh, a really big help for me uh, in, time, in terms of uh, time blocking and time management because it's the only tool I've found so far that uh, you can go in and it's got its own ability to create tasks. You can tell it how much time, but it integrates with your calendar and it's a two-way sync. So it doesn't just plop it into your calendar, it actually finds the first available spot of that size and puts right. it into your calendar, which is amazing. Um, that was a game changer for me. And then now, you know, learning how to do that on my own a little bit has been really nice. But I, I find for, for most people, it, that's probably the toughest thing, maybe next to um, tracking their actual time. I don't know, Chris, if you recommend people do this, like put down before they um, do anything else to just say, hey, take a couple days and write down what you do every hour or every 30 minutes and do a little bit of time tracking and just see where you're at. I don't, is that something you do or you advise people to do? Well, I try not to give them work to do before they do it because then it just yeah. becomes another thing they haven't get done. So when I'm working with my coaching clients and we're doing that kind of stuff together, what I say is we just start from where we are, right? Yeah. So when I do an audit with them on where their time goes, because you know, it just seems like it evaporates, is you know we just make it simple. So give me an idea of what you're doing. And what I would do is start with broad strokes instead of little things. So I might say, okay, let's take a look at tomorrow. And then all of a sudden, like when I'm working with someone, they'll go, well, no wonder I'm tired. <laughs> I, I thought I had eight hours. I only had four free compared to the stuff I have to do every day. So no wonder every day of the week, I start working later and later and then promise myself next Monday. So really what happens is when you just even in broad strokes, start filling out that calendar, it's really sobering. And then you go, oh, okay, then now I get it, right? So that's just start simple and it will give you some awakening and that will spur some action. Definitely. Yeah. I think you said it just slightly different, but what, what gets yeah. uh, measured gets managed, right? Like, yeah, yeah it, that is such a game changer when you start seeing, and it can be good and bad. Sometimes you're like, oh, wow, I actually get this stuff done a lot faster than I thought. Yeah. And, or more likely though is, yeah, you know, uh, I thought writing an email and sending it takes 15 minutes. Turns out it takes me 45. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Uh, what are some tools that you like using? This is the stuff people love to talk about. It's not always the most important, but I am one of those people 
I enjoy checking out tools, um, but I also understand that, you know, it, it can't, uh, I can't live in shiny object uh, land. No. But, but what tools do you find that are actually really helpful? So I, any tool I recommend is either free or next to free, right? Mm -hmm. And I want it to be simple. If you can't have a four-year-old learn it in a couple of minutes, then it's not the tool for you. So that's a big thing I want people to understand that a tool will not fix it. Like a microphone does not make me a better speaker. It just mm -hmm. makes more people hear me. So don't get sucked into or seduced into buying some big expensive tool that's going to be your promise. So that's what I, a big warning I want people to know because I fell for that many years and everyone has shiny objects syndrome this is the answer so really like you said if you started nowhere do something like loom where it's like oh you just hit a button and you can screen capture whatever you're working on and share that um and another recent one that i liked is descript d-e-s-c-r-i-p-t now for me i use that for my podcast it's pretty super cool mm -hmm. what it does is you import the video it will give you a transcription of it but you can go through and click um, and it will say, do you want us to remove all these fillers? And it will take out of your guest language all the times they said, um, it will delete it from the video, not just the transcription. So you can do little things like that um, just with the right click. So it even again, what happens when you have these processes in place, I have a video editor that does this work for me, but now first of all, to be honest, she brought it to me. You have to understand that tools are connected to talent. So when she's in that zone of genius all the time, that's her thing. She's going to come with these tools to me that I wouldn't have had exposure to if I'm trying to be jack of all trades. Mm. So even though what happens is then she starts showing me tools that expedites her work, right? So that's a, a recent one. Descript can do a, a couple of funny little things. It also can change they have the capacity to take your voice because it's in the program and change a word you said if you flubbed it they won't oh, wow. let you change somebody else's words because they don't want you putting words in other people's mouths right but they will let you change yours so if you slip up and say this word wrong you just right click and they'll change the word and it sounds like you like it's your voice so it's this is apropos being that i screwed up the intro so i might have to yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i do that all the time yeah so stuff like that but really what i want people to understand is you know what I, I, google calendar will save your life it's simple that's it use loom nothing fancy your phone has a lot of power to it you know, if I see something online that I go, oh, that's a good idea on social media, I just screen capture it and put it in an album that says swipe file, like, oh, I'm going to try that in social media. They had a good post, whatever. Really what I would tell you, it's just when you have a team in play, then you have the room to be creative and start seeing things differently and just with ease execute because you're not running around trying to keep fires, either put them out or keep them burning, however you want to look at it. Uh, 100%, 100% agree. So uh, looking back over the past, uh, you know, several years of your life, what's something, you know, if you could go back five years and tell yourself something in terms of productivity and time management, what do you think that would be? You know, I hate to keep nailing it home. I guess five years ago, I did have a team. But if I had started my team, I would say the first two years of my business, I literally went, out, went without sleep. And yeah. there are people that who are very kind to me, but if gathered, they would say that I was not that charming. And I realized like everything was in a rush and I was always trying to keep up. And so even when I was presenting myself, what I thought was well, there was this person screaming in my head saying, could they not talk faster? Which by the way, I've learned that you cannot say that to someone. You cannot ask them like this and you can't. <laughs> I have tried and it, 
it always offends, right? So what I would say to you is those first two years I was in business and I didn't have a team, I was just going without sleep and it just doesn't make you a nice person and everything just falls to the wayside. You're not as creative, you're not as nice, you're not as patient. And you know what? When you're being creative and you're in your zone and you're rested and you're a business athlete and you eat well, you don't need patience. You're fine, right? So it's not you're not as patient. You just don't need it because you're, you're doing stuff you love. So for me, those first two years were unnecessarily hard on me and my family. Gotcha. Okay. Well, uh, we got time for one more question here. And I'd like to know, it doesn't have to be a book. Uh, it okay. could be a, any sort of media. But what book or piece of media do you find yourself recommending the most to people outside of your own book? Oh, of course. I wouldn't arrogantly <laughs> pump that. But a uh, book I find or, oh, let me see. There's so many books. Um, I, I, I'm one of these horrible people that we get half. Well, I always revert to the E-Myth. I think that's a good eye-opening one. The E-Myth is a good one. I, I, I read that and it's just a simplified version that will forever rem remind you of how to run a business. Um, I'm really about you know, anything I could look at that's business oriented, like I mentioned the formula one, one, I know it's about race car driving, but if you watch that, you go, huh, you think your business is so special and you're so important and that, it, you know, you've got so much at risk. And then you look at this thing and you think, oh my gosh, they just took that million dollar company, put it in a truck, flew it across to Australia now. And then a bunch of guys are going to try to assemble all these computers that will tell you with a nana a second of how much air is in a tire. What if they forget that cable? Like I kid you not, the first night I watched that show, Something happened where they go in the pit and they do the bolts and it's supposed to take three seconds and the car pulled out and the guy was winning the race and the guy, new guy goes running around and said, I don't think I got that last bolt, that last bolt. And they looked on the computer, they could see with all this sophisticated equipment that the bolt was loosening and they had to ask him to pull over. Like he had to get, they had to box the car, box the car, get off the track. I shut down Netflix. I said, I cannot watch this before I go to bed. Like I felt sick. <laughs> I was like, this guy, yeah. like it was on all the computers. There's like 30 people in the pit looking at the computers and they can oh, see wow. that, that the bolt wasn't turned like one hundredth of a, like he's got three seconds and there was like, let's say there's 20 degrees. It has to be turned. It was turned 19 and a half and going 200 kilometers an hour. It was going to come off the wheel. And he's sitting there holding his helmet, rocking back and forth. And he's, and the guy was in the lead and he had to pull off. Like to me, then you put your own business in perspective. Then you go, listen, I think I'm important and I can't hire someone because it's my baby and it can only be done my way. Well, you watch something like that and you realize how many moving parts there are and that, you know what? You can hire an outsourcer. You can do this. <laughs> it's okay. You're not going to yeah, wreck it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, well, Chris, thank you so much for sharing so much. Um, I know I personally got a lot out of this. I think everyone listening will definitely be doing the same. So, uh, you know, I know we've mentioned uh, your book as well as uh, the outsourcing. Uh, you know, where can people go to find out more about what you're working on? Yeah, right now, I tell you, I would encourage you to check out Coming Soon from Chris, K-R-I-S dot com. That will get you uh, on the waiting list for our program. And it's going to be like, I'm not kidding you. It's going to be amazing. We are going, the goal was to feel like we're bleeding. We're giving away so much stuff. So it's going to be a really special package because it's our first one out there. We want to really get some exposure. So this is the time. Um, if you're looking for some free gifts, we've got free gifts from Chris, K-R-I-S dot com. 
and there's a bunch of little things in there. It's like a page of maybe like a, a nine or 10 things that you can get. And those are things we still charge for. So those are some freebies for you. And yeah, tell me that you heard me on this amazing podcast. Reach out on LinkedIn or Facebook and we'll become instant friends. If you're a friend of Adam's, you're a friend of mine. So yeah, start there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Real World Productivity Podcast. If you know someone that would enjoy this episode, please grab the link and send it via email, message, or whatever means works best. Now, if you're looking for more ways to increase your productivity, time management, and team building skills, be sure to go to productivity.academy resources to find out what tools, cheat sheets, and services can get you started and make the most impact right now. For those who want to make fast changes and want to save dozens of hours, I highly recommend joining the 14-Day Productivity Foundation Challenge at productivity.academy slash foundation challenge. This 14-day challenge takes minutes per day, but will help you develop or improve your daily review to get more done with less distractions and loss of focus. You'll also get over-the-shoulder directions for setting up an automation to save dozens of hours and the process for deciding what else you should automate and how to do it. And if you're serious about continuous improvement and you know that productivity, time management, and team building will impact every area of your personal and professional life, join us in the Growth Automation Membership. Find out more at productivity.academy slash join.